everybody, it's me, Hey Good. No, it's that's not you. It's oh, me, no, I messed, I'm Hey Good. I messed it up. You, oh, we're going to have to retake it. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Infinite Quest. <laughs> I'm Hey Good. I'm also Hey Good. Hey, you know what I've been thinking about? I've realized that the topics of our episodes aren't really topics. They're more like jumping off points because we never end up at the, uh, still talking about the topic by the end. That's a very good point, Eric. Would you like to explain why you said that just right now? Well, yeah, because in this one, we start talking about working from home and then we eventually just start talking about like personal duty and feelings of responsibility. <laughs> and you laugh at the word duty every yeah, time. Yeah, I did it every time. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we're this one. This one gets a little uh, a little interesting. So just just know that one going in. Um, but yeah. Here's uh, this week's episode of Infinite Quest. Also, there will be more information in the middle. Patreon.com slash Infinite Quest. Transition. Hi, everybody. It's me, Katie Asaurus. Oh, hello. Hi, and it's me, Hey Goog. Eric, I was thinking that before this episode starts, we should introduce ourselves three times. Uh, because we've been introducing ourselves twice before every episode. I was thinking maybe just as the season goes on, we just keep introducing ourselves longer and longer and longer until it's nothing but an hour of us going back and forth going, hi, it's me, Katie Azores. And it's me, Hey Good. And this week on Infinite Quest, and then we just do that in a loop for forever. Yeah, just every time when we pass it back and forth before we start talking. Yeah, we just, we just, just so you know, it's still, it's still me, Hey Good. It's today on infinite quest what are we talking about today on infinite quest well we, we we did just do that whole interstitial thing but it helps us get into the mindset you know whatever um well i want to talk about working from home because uh thanks to all of you patrons patreon people and people who donate stuff and the pay, give the monies <laughs> <laughs> there's so many different random ways that people give us money i don't know but thanks to all of you the so, microphone yeah thank you, so you explicitly let's, told me not to i'm curious let's see how I'm well sorry. i edit that out <laughs> No, it's it's fine. It's good practice. Um, but thanks to all, to all of you, I can I now have a streaming computer, which is capable of doing all sorts of cool OBS streamy stuff that uh, I wasn't capable of doing before. And so now, like we've been working from home for a year and a half. Oh my god, something like that. It really Jesus has been that Christ. long, hasn't it? Yeah, that's really weird. But now having this computer, I have like a command station. I have like a. a monitor thing and a thing you know like i don't have to sit down and then clear off my shit show of a desk and then put my computer down and then figure out and then you know run the charger to a plug and then you know it's just there it's ready to go and that's really given me or i feel like i've had sort of a fresh start like i feel like the, the idea of working from home is really like solidifying in my head because i have an environment now that like when i'm in my brain goes it's work time because like you know we've had this office for a year and a half now and that has sort of helped me but Either way, my point is, is going, being in a specific environment really helps me get into like the work mindset. And I'm just realizing how much I've really been struggling with that over the last like year and a half. Now that I have like a command center set up, you know, it's, it's sort of like, you know, cooking, but you don't have a table or a, or a counter. You have to just constantly <laughs> be setting up little things to put your cutting board on. Oh, you mean exactly how I cook in my kitchen? It's exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's how I cook in my kitchen too. <laughs> But I think working from home has been really, really hard on people with ADHD. I mean, we talked about this a lot in my Twitch stream this morning, um, but working from home was a goddamn nightmare for a lot of people with ADHD because suddenly, like, the structures and schedules and whatnots that we relied on, you know, we, we might have hated them, but, you know, they helped us be where we needed to be and do what we needed to do when we needed to do it. All of a sudden, those just went away very quickly. And it's like, hey... Run your own life now. Run your own work life now. You have to figure out what you're going to be doing, where you're going to be doing it. And all the while you have the kids running around and, the, you know, you're in the same environment. It's it's just been a real struggle. And I don't know. I feel like it's worth talking about because I, I feel like I've been on a bit of a journey on it. And I think so have you. 
I have a really weird experience with working from home and it's and it's such a specific thing that like it's so dumb it's so silly to talk about but like one of the biggest stresses for me is I lost my job during the pandemic when I was at the renaissance festival I had an office and I had a workspace but most importantly Eric I had a costume shop at a mm. costume shop at the Renaissance yes, Festival. Yes, good, good. And when I lost my job at the Renaissance Festival, I had to move an entire costume shop out of the Renaissance Festival and into my house, in which there was already a costume shop. So I went from having the contents of one costume shop to the contents of having two costume shops in my house. And the repercussions of that I'm still feeling on a daily basis in a way that has created like, quite honestly, like a lot of shame and a lot of guilt because like literally like right now, like within eyesight of this office is like a bunch of stuff that like I just don't have places for. I don't have room for Like there's still a bunch of stuff in my garage. And I realize that has nothing to do with working from home. But what it does have to do with is the environment in which I work, mm-hmm. because what I am learning about working from home is that kind of like what you were talking about with um, like having a workstation, like I have to have a workable environment. But the thing is, Eric, that my work environment, it, it doesn't it doesn't just go to like what I can see, because like I feel like um you know, like in the Matrix, when like Neo can like see everything, yeah. and like the you know, and it just is like the the digital like readout. Yeah, that's how I feel about the house. Like I'll be sitting in the office, and like there, you know, like right now you've got like your computer boxes on the couch because you know you just unpacked your computer. But I know that like outside the door, there's like the pile of like costume stuff that I still haven't put away, and then next to that is like the bins of like the Doom boxes that I like brought upstairs. And I know like down the hallway is like the table that I still haven't done anything with, and then I know that there's like the craft room at the end of the hallway, and it just constantly stresses me out in a way that I cannot. Like, I just, I choose not to acknowledge a lot of the time because it's just like, it's too much for me to deal with. Oh, yeah. But I do want to burn my house down. Well, hey, don't burn your house down. I'm on, I'm in your I'm, house. I would take all of your stuff out of the house. What, and all, what about all the nice plants? i a little pile. I would save plants. the plants. So the plants, what uh, else would you save? Um, Fuggins. Fug, aw. I would save. Mother Katie, I'm sure. Mother Katie. I would save Chris's comic book collection. Okay. And that's it. <laughs> that's nice. And, well, and, I assume... my, and my page from the folio. Yes, That's nice, it. of course. And probably my wedding picture. Like, there's a lot of stuff I would have to say. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that I have a lot of stuff that I don't want, and I don't know what to do with it, and it makes me really stressed out, which has nothing to do with, with working from home, but apparently that's what we're talking about now, because this is an ADHD <laughs> podcast, and I'm incapable of sticking to the assignment. <laughs> well, no, I, I think it does have to do with working, because working from home doesn't just mean, like, you. It, it means work comes home. Like, with whatever your job was at the beginning of the pandemic has to come home with you to some extent, whether it's like paperwork or you had a specific set of hard drives or whatever. Like for a lot of people, that meant taking shit from their office and bringing it home. And for you, that was an entire goddamn costume shop. I mean, I couldn't really do cooking work from home, so I was kind of lucky in that regard. But I brought a bunch of like stuff that I kept in my professional kitchen home because I was not going to work. And so like there was a bunch of clutter there. But it was really like, for me, like the, uh, the the big struggle of it is mixing environments because I so rely on sensory input to sort of dictate the mindset that I'm in. 
Like, so if I'm in a kitchen, the clinky could clank, clank, clack, a clack of stuff and the sound of like the, the hoods and people saying kitchen stuff like that. My whole brain just goes, okay, we're cooking now. We're, we're, we're doing professional cooking work, get organized, get whatever. It, like it switches, it flips the switch. Yes. You, you, you got to look on your face. Like you got something to say. Okay. Hear me out. What if you got an environmental soundtrack of a kitchen? <laughs> Like, you know how, like, the, like, guys will, like, go into the restaurant and, they just, and they're just, like, you can just buy the, like, that's me doing restaurant fully work. And, you know, like, you put it in the background of your movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, like that. What if you just had that playing in the background of the office? Do you think? <laughs> Is there a lot of tums There's a lot of tums shakers going on. <laughs> do you feel like, do you feel like that would make you more or less productive? Well. Now I desperately want to try this experiment. I'm just going to start playing kitchen noises. Know. Sometimes it, and see if it makes you more productive. It honestly might. Or if it tricks you into making me dinner. <laughs> it honestly might. I mean, in a culinary, because that, that doesn't necessarily put me like into work mode so much as it does put me into like cooking mode, you know? So like, and I guess that's that's also, I guess, true is when, when, the, when the pandemic hit. I mean, I did a decent amount of kitchen work later on, but when the pandemic hit, there was no kitchen work to be done. And I hadn't done like city downy computery work in years and years and years and years. And then TikTok stuff happened and now this happened. And so not only am I doing work, like professional work in my own home, like a couple feet away from my bed, but it's also work that I'm like just genuinely fucking terrible at. And so I had to like wrap my head around being in professional mode at home for a profession that I have no idea how to do. And that was a mind fuck. So how did you develop the systems and this and the strat this the sweet strats that you're using now like how did you how did you figure them out do you do you want to know what the biggest one was yes do you want to know what the biggest thing was katie yes it was mise en place god damn it <laughs> it absolutely Podcast was over thanks for coming everybody <laughs> this has been infinite quests mise en place fucking forever baby forever, the end well it's true i mean it's it's really true and I, I i talk about this a lot so katie prepare to scoff but i feel like i should scoff. i should <laughs> say scoff out loud but i feel like i should clarify what mise en place means for those who might not know mise en place is a french phrase means to put in place um and it's generally used in kitchens meaning to put out your ingredients and make sure all your tools are in the right place and making sure everything is in a place that facilitates the thing that needs to be done so like you know if you need to make an omelet that has chopped onions bell peppers whatever in it you know you have all those ingredients out with your scrambled eggs before you even start actually cooking. You have all that ready and set up. So mise en place. And that concept pops up in everyday life all the time. Like one of the best examples is if you like put coffee in your coffee maker the night before, like as you're going to bed, you put coffee. So when you wake up the next morning, you just press the button. Mise en place, a baby. That is some solid mise en place. And so incorporating that idea into to as many parts of your life as you can. Is I think for me has been essential in my ADHD-ness, and I think for everybody is an incredibly useful thing to do. Um, so that working from home was essential. But that being said, like doing you know podcast editing and and all the stuff that we now do is not stuff that I'd ever done like professionally before. And so not only was I you know trying to develop mise en place for podcasting and podcast editing and Twitch streaming and all and TikTok shooting and all that stuff, um, I had to figure out how to actually do that. And so I was like building up structures to to quell my adhd while learning so it was just sort of like an everything all at once and i'm still not great at it but you know like i keep a pencil and sticky notes next to my desk and stuff like that so i think having everything 
have like a having everything have a default location or a default position that it kind of goes back to. And that's not to say my desk is super clean every night before I go to bed, but you know, like I roughly make sure that the things that I know I'm going to need are in a reasonably consistent place. <laughs> One of the questions that I get asked a lot about people who are or from, I guess, people who are struggling to work at home is is like motivation, like finding the motivation to like get up and do something when it's like, but the PlayStation is right there and the Netflix is right there and the Facebook is I mean, I guess like nobody checks Facebook anymore, but <laughs> like, you know, the the Reddit tab doom scroll is always like one tab away. Like yeah. so how do you stay focused how do you how do you get your work done well i want to i'm just going to go ahead and just throw that question back to you because i'm i'm terrible at that but it <laughs> seems like i don't want to speak for you but it seems like you've got a better handle on that kind of thing than i do because like, you when you, you you're always on the computer and you get a lot of work done but occasionally i'll see you look over and you're looking at you know whatever stuff so it seems like you've at least found like a balance or something yeah i mean i have a really weird relationship with motivation and it's something that I realize has started sort of like almost coming to a head in terms of how I feel about motivation and how I think like the rest of the wide world views motivation. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that I don't need motivation to do things, which sounds really trite. Hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is that I have always worked or unconsciously taken on high level responsibilities and and jobs that require a lot of balance and a lot of detail work and like that kind of thing because if i fuck it up there's repercussions and so like for me you know like i i, I get the like a question i get all the time is like how, well how do you find the motivation to make a tiktok you know tiktoks every day and i'm like I'm not motivated to make TikToks every day. Like, I'm not motivated to do it a lot of the time. But I know that if I don't, my views will go down and it will hurt the podcast. And, you know, I'll, you know, I won't show up on the For You page or whatever. And so, like, even on the days where I'm, like, really struggling, like, I, I still try and make something or do something because that is the expectation that I put on myself. I don't necessarily want to. I'm not like I'm not always excited and I know that a lot of times like I'll post you know some like shitty shit post because it's just like I just want to put something to like know that I did but like I really struggle with conversations about motivation because like I don't know like I feel like I have a really I don't want to say unsupportive but my relationship to motivation is like I have to be an adult sometimes I have to pay my bills sometimes. I have to take out the garbage sometimes. And I'm not motivated to do it and I don't want to do it. But if I don't take the garbage out to the curb today, then the garbage men are going to come tomorrow and take my garbage. And now I have two garbage cans full of garbage and I have to stack garbage, you know, bags in my garage and I'm speaking from experience. And it and it feels unkind and it feels unsupportive. But like I'm not motivated, but if I don't work hard and I don't do stuff, then we're not going to continue to get the opportunities that we've been given. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? I don't like, I don't feel like I'm saying anything of, of use right now. No, I completely agree. I mean, I think a, a huge question for me, like one of 
the things that I think I'm going to spend the rest of my life figuring out, you know, one is the thing that you always laugh at me for saying that I wholeheartedly believe in is may you always afford yourself the same grace and guidance that you so easily afford others. Um, cause we're, it's so easy for us to like know what another person should do or forgive another person, but it's so hard for us to forgive ourselves and know what we should do. Um, so that, but another one is when I'm at work, I think I'm, I'm exactly like that. Um, I don't give a fuck about motivation. Like if I'm, if I'm in a professional kitchen and something needs to be done, like it doesn't even enter my brain how motivated I am to do it. Like it just doesn't occur to me, nor does it occur to me how much I would enjoy it or how gross it is, or it just doesn't occur to me to think about that kind of stuff. But the second I'm not that anymore when I'm home or, you know, just not in that environment, suddenly I'm playing the constant game of measuring how much motivation I have. And is that motivation sufficient to do the thing that needs to be done? And if it's not enough motivation to do the thing, can I like white knuckle through the, the difference that's needed, the, the, the gap in motivation that I have versus motivation needed to do the thing? Um, and I mean, I'm still terrible at that. You know, I mean, I've, I think of like in a kitchen setting, in a professional kitchen setting, I've done literal tons of dishes like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of like by weight tons of dishes but when i get home and there's two dishes in my sink that is monumental that is a huge fucking task and clearly it's just a mental thing that goes on for me and so like again working from home like i often find myself tiktok specifically i don't know why tiktoks have gotten in my head lately um but I'm like measuring how much, how motivated I am to do like the TikTok. But like the podcast is different for some reason. The podcast, I don't care how motivated I am to do the podcast. It's my job. Like it just doesn't occur to me. If if I like, if it's 1130 and the podcast posts at midnight and I realized I forgot to do something, I don't care if I'm in bed or in the shower or out and about, like that's what I have to do. I have to stop what I'm doing and, and fix that just because it's my job. And so that mindset is like creeping into areas of my life but what bothers me is that it doesn't seem to be intentional and i don't know what causes it sort of like um if something is broken and it just suddenly starts working it's like it's nice that it's working but you don't still don't know what the problem was i feel sort of like that so i'm i'm, I'm getting better in certain areas of like disregarding motivation and just being like i don't fucking care how motivated i am to do the podcast i have to because it's my job <laughs> you know which is not to say that i don't enjoy but you know there are moments when you you have to muscle yeah. through it but um, anyways, you looked like you had a, a question. No, I actually just, I just, no, you're fine. Like, I actually wanted you to talk more about that. Like, I, I wanted to hear more about that experience. Yeah, well, I mean, that question of how, how do I get that same dutiful mindset is how it feels. Like, when I'm in a kitchen... There's a sense of duty about it, that I'm a part of a machine. You want to laugh at me saying duty? Do I? <laughs> yeah, I did, <laughs> I but did. I had to unmute my microphone. <laughs> duty. I, I had a massive duty. <laughs> Harry, did you have a big duty? I did. Have did a, you have a big duty a in very, the kitchen? Oh, it was an important duty. Is you had a big, a big important duty in the kitchen. <laughs> Would you say it was in the middle of the kitchen, or was it mostly like on the counters in the kitchen? Did you have Oh, oh no, gross. No. <laughs> No duty, no nasty. <laughs> All right, <laughs> duty aside, I'll say dutiful. I guess is 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 it's full of duty. <laughs> wow, that's worse. <laughs> it's dutiful, baby. Um, Hi, we're a professional podcast. Yeah, it's very serious. Uh, we're very serious. Very serious. Serious podcasters making serious <laughs> podcasts. But the, but that sense of duty that I felt um, at work. 
Uh, where was I? Uh, we were laughing about duty, and now I'm, and I'm totally off. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the question of how do I have that same dutiful mindset in, a, I would say like, a, I want to say a domestic setting, but by that I mean just like my own life, just managing my own life. Things like paying bills and doing taxes and taking out the garbage and keeping my house from getting infested with bugs like it just did because uh, I had a <laughs> depression, major depression week. Um, uh, how, to, how to get that same mindset into those areas is like a problem that I've been solving, but like I said, like in certain areas, like with the podcast specifically, it, I do have that same sense of duty. And, and and I could like try to intellectualize why, like, you know, the fact that people say it helps them. So I feel like I'm, you know, giving something to the world. You know, it gives me satisfaction to know that whatever experiences I've been through or whatever experiences you've been through, they're helping people. So there's like that immediate understanding of why I feel that sense of duty. Um, but ultimately, I don't know why I feel that sense of duty about podcast but not about making tiktoks and not about um i don't know making my my twitch page like reasonably organized so people know what the hell is going on and because that has happened with the podcast but not those other things and i don't know why i think it seems like for me i think part of it is just goddamn doing it because it's sort of like an it's 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 sort of interesting. It's sort of like a secondary sense of the of the duty problem, which I'm now going to call it um, <laughs> because it's funny. <laughs> Is I keep trying to find the motivation to be dutiful, yeah, and therefore not need motivation. So what if I just start with the fuck motivation, and it's just like whatever. I'm going to treat things with a sense of duty. I'm going to treat my job with a sense of purpose and duty, even though I don't know why or even if it's going to work. I think yeah. that's essential, I think, perhaps for me. I don't know. I don't, I know what it is for me. What's that? It's because I don't want to let you down. Oh. Because, like, I really care about Infinite Quest. And, like, I want this to last. And so for me, a lot of the times when I'm not motivated... And a lot of the times when I'm like, oh, my God, the last thing I want to do is like this interview or like whatever. I go, yeah, but we built this thing together, you know, and and so that's what it is for me. But I think the problem then becomes like for, you know, the random person on, on our, you know, TikTok lives who come in and say like, oh, my God, I'm struggling so hard to like wake up in the morning and go into my, you know, fucking kitchen and do my job for the next, you know, eight hours. Like that's that's like. That's the that's what I think that the challenge is, is because mm. it's like if you don't have like an accountability buddy or you don't have like because I'm going to say like we like and I feel like it's something that we we honestly need to acknowledge, like the privilege that we have in terms of like our job yeah. is being Twitch streamers and podcasters and content creators like a lot of people wake up in the morning and they go to a job that they hate. You know, a lot of people wake up in the morning and they go to a job that they're not excited to do and doesn't involve a lot of community and involves a lot of autonomy and, you know, having to be responsible for managing your own workload. And that's something that a lot of neurodivergent people can really struggle with, mm. especially if like there's no dopamine in the task. And I think that is that's hard because, you know. It's hard. That was, that was the most smartest thing I've ever said on the podcast. No, it is hard. Uh, absolutely. I mean, how... Well, for one, I just... Just a quick resource shout out to a friend of mine. Um, 
uh, if anybody wants to go to ADHDHive.com, uh, a friend of mine who I met about a year and a little bit ago, um, he and I were going to start a podcast that I was going to host, um, but then we met and all this happened. And so that was like, ooh, buddy, I'm really sorry, but there's, I got to do it. And, you know, it's fine. Anyways, we're still friends. He's great. Um, but he and ADHD Hive host basically massive body double studying parties are framed as studying parties but you don't have to actually because that's where how it started um but basically there's zoom meetings i believe where you sign up for time slots and you go and it's a big zoom meeting with a bunch of little boxes but nobody's nobody talks it's just you just sit there and everybody's but they're all just doing their work whatever their work is maybe they're a phd student maybe they're a college or a high school student maybe they're you know, a, a, a data analytics person, whatever, but everybody's just doing their work and they're all just sort of sitting there together. And I feel like that would help a lot in the, in, in terms of, you know, uh, I don't know if body doubling is the word or accountability is the word, um, but p of putting me in that mindset. Like when we were first starting us, when I was still in California, um, it was a lot easier for me to work if you were on like a, a Facebook messenger call, even if we weren't talking or even doing similar things, just the fact that you were there Aww. helped me. I miss those days a little bit. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I'm nostalgic I mean, for those days, I'm, but I do not I'm, miss those I'm days. I'm glad that you're, you're reach across the desk distance instead yes. of having to get on a plane in the middle of a pandemic distance. That yes. was that was shitty and I hated that it. That was really shitty. Um, but anyways, quick shout out ADHD Hive. We were also on their podcast. Um, are we there yet? Uh, the other week. So anyways, listen to that. But... What what have you done that you found to help, I guess? I mean, because you've always been, you were a sage this manager, is, you were coordinating, I was, you know. I was literally just about to start talking about the fact that, like, I'm having just, like, a massive amount of imposter syndrome right now about this episode because, like, I don't have anything, I don't have anything to contribute, dude. Well, I, th I really think you do. I just, I don't, though, because I have a really unhealthy relationship with work. And, like, mm. I know that about myself, but, like really and truly i white knuckle everything like i don't have a lot of motivation in my life but what i do have is the ability to overextend myself and make everything an emergency and to be super stressed out all the time and to do nothing but work like i'm very good at that but that's not healthy well, and i'm not gonna tell anybody to do that in fact i would very strongly advocate for the other way because uh it's it's a lot healthier and you get to have a cool thing like work-life balance and that kind of thing yeah but like i don't i don't feel like i can like it's an it's genuinely something that i struggle with so much because it's a question that i get asked over and over and over again and like i talk so much about how unhealthy and toxic the idea of like well just do it like because I, I really truly believe like it's a very toxic idea, especially in con in conversation with neurodivergency, especially in conversation with like the struggles and and issues that people like us with depression face and ADHD face in conversation with executive dysfunction. But that's just what I do. I just do it. And I don't necessarily want to. I don't necessarily feel like, you know. I'm not I'm not excited to, you know, do everything that I do, but I do it because it has to get done. And if it doesn't get done, nobody else is going to do it. And so, like, I've become incredibly self-reliant, I think, to a fault. And I've become incredibly demanding of myself and demanding of my time. And I hold myself to an incredibly high standard that 
is unmatched and impossible to to expect anybody else to work that hard but I do it because that's how I get by I get by by doing the thing you know it's the same reason why I don't have I don't feel like really good advice about grad school because people ask me about grad school all the time you know they go well how did you get two master's degrees with ADHD and I'm like I fucking white knuckled that shit dog like and and I burn myself out you know and it's like so I don't know like I'm really really struggling with this episode because like my answer is I just fucking do it I do it and it's hard and it sucks and I hate it sometimes and I mess up a lot of stuff and I put a lot of stuff off because I go oh I'll, I'll do it tomorrow or whatever and then I forget and it's been you know six months since we talked to you know people that we were supposed to talk to six months ago um but yeah I mean that's my answer and so I don't I honestly don't feel like I have anything to contribute to this conversation and I feel really guilty and really toxic and really like gross about it because my advice is like we'll just do it but that's so counterintuitive to our entire fucking message and our entire fucking platform but I don't know how else to contextualize it now I'm having like a whole fucking existential crisis hey, about Bubs, it it's fine sweet, I'm okay sweet. you're doing great and I love you and you're my favorite person I took person. my glasses off for this you that's, how, that's how strongly I felt about it <laughs> but well so for one I love you you're amazing and you always always have something to contribute and you're Thanks. the best um, but on a question but I actually want to know the answer to this question that I'm about to ask so I'm oh going to ask it. All right. Um, I think <sighs> white knuckling is only an option if you know what you're trying to, what you're supposed to white knuckle. Right. You know, like if I know I need to do the dishes, but I don't have the quote unquote motivation to do it. Right. I can white knuckle that. What's hard, what you can't white knuckle is figuring out what it is. That's when the whole executive dysfunction is not a fucking choice comes in. Right. Where there are times when I'm like, all right, I've, I'm in it. I'm, I'm ready to work. But I sit down and my brain just can't figure out what to do. Or more often, it'll figure out what to do. And as soon as I start working on that, I'll figure out, oh, actually, it's this other thing. Oh, actually, it's this other thing. Actually, it's this other thing. And so white knuckling doesn't work unless you know what to do. What it is. You kept saying, you know, you just do it. Well, knowing what it is is the first step. And I think that's what I and I imagine a lot of other people struggle with. And I think you one of the reasons I, I think you perhaps feel that you don't have anything to contribute is because a lot of the things that you do have to contribute are so intuitive to you that you're not aware of them. So the question I have for you, and I'm, I'm, good luck, I guess, is how do you know what it is? How well, do you know which email to send? How do you know? It's not. If, you're if, you're if, not going to like this answer, Eric. I, well, it's because it's very unhealthy. Uh huh. I have I have a rotation that I go through. Yeah. That's it. That's the entire. W what answer. do you mean by rotation? Is I do the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over every single day. I have a, a very specific thing that I do. I wake up. I check my TikTok, I make a TikTok, I check the comments, I check my messages, I go upstairs, I check my email, I answer the emails in the order that I get them, then I like do Instagram, then I do another TikTok thing, then I Twitch stream, then like after the Twitch stream, I check emails again. Like, so I just, I have it like, like and it goes on and on and on and on and on from there. But it's, it's just a, it's, just, it's like a Rolodex that I've, I've just come up with in my head. So like, and the cycle repeats at a certain point so at a certain point like if i missed an email in the morning or like oh i didn't have an answer for that email or whatever then i then that's when 
you know, okay, so I, I missed the email, like the, you know, 10 a.m. check. I don't have like a time schedule, you know, like that kind of thing. But I just go, okay, here's the order in which I do things. Um, so, you know, if I miss an email, I don't have an, an answer. The email is going to take like a really, really long time to send. Then I catch up with that email, like on the next email loop. And then I, I catch up with like the other thing of the thing. But that's why stuff falls through the cracks. Like that's, hmm. that's like when, and, and like a really good example is the paperwork for the, the book for the, for the agency mm-hmm. is we drop that ball. Well, I dropped that ball cause I'm the paperwork person, but I dropped the ball for like two weeks because I couldn't get the DocuSign thing to work right. And so every time I would cycle through, it would still not be working or I couldn't do it the way that I needed to. And then I realized like, okay, I have to completely interrupt the schedule that I have set out for myself and spend like an hour solving this problem. And it involved like downloading like two separate PDF forms and like re-uploading it and doing like a whole bunch of shit. And so I got like super frustrated. Um, but like that's how I do it. So like there's never an it. There's never there I don't I don't give myself the opportunity of choice. I just have a rotating docket of tasks that that I go through over and over and over. Congratulations, you did it. You made it to the middle of the episode. We're so proud of you. Smack dab in the center. Hey, also, we have some very important information for you. If you are in the Atlanta area, uh, we have just received the very exciting news that we're going to be doing three panels. We're going to be at Frolicon. Oh, yep. It's going to be great. We're going to be there doing stuff. Come on by. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be doing three panels. We're doing Neurodivergency and Kink. As well as uh, neurodivergent subs and neurodivergent doms. Those are two separate ones. Those are two separate workshops. And at some point on one of the nights, we'll be doing ADHD and D of some capacity kind of thing. We're we're still working on what that's going to be, but it'll be cool. It'll be fun. And also, if you see us at one of the parties, no, you didn't. (laughs) 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 It'll be great. What happens at Frolicon stays at Frolicon. So we'll see you there. Yeah. Transition. It's sort of incredibly unhealthy is what it no, is. Well, what you just described is a schedule. I mean, it's a, and, it's a schedule, but, but it's a, it's a schedule driven by fucking madness. Like. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to, 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 to be diminutive when I say what you just described is a schedule. I mean, I think I just sort of, that is sort of the pajama principled schedule. <laughs> what is the pajama principle you ask? Well, one time, <laughs> quick tangent, one time I was, in bed in the morning and I didn't want to get out of bed and that's a consistent problem for me. So I was like, why don't I want to get out of bed? Oh, I realized it's because it's fucking cold. That's the the core of it is because it's cold. So I was like, hmm, I should wear a specific set of clothing to bed that's reasonably warm so that when I wake up, I'm already wearing clothes. Oh shit, I just invented pajamas. <laughs> but that being said, I now appreciate pajamas in a way that I didn't before or after that, after I had that thought. And I think you just sort of pajamaed scheduling is for an ADHD person at least is that scheduling rids you of having to figure out what it is such that you can white knuckle it if you have to. It's 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 what allows white knuckling to become an option, basically. Because there are a lot of times when I'm like, perhaps not motivated, but I'm willing to white knuckle. But when I sit down, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, I have a hundred things to do. Yeah. But I indeed, the moment I start doing one, I realize another one's actually more important than another one after that. And so yeah. your scheduling is an answer to that problem in that you've, well, I don't want you to have blocked things out like necessarily written yeah. it down, but what it is, is always reasonably clear. Yeah. 
Well, and I think too, I think part of it comes down to the fact that I do have a background in stage management. Mm. And so like, it's really weird because it's very counterintuitive to a lot of people's ADHD. And I think it's that, I think that's one of like the more interesting things about my neurodivergent experience is that because of the career path that I chose for a long time, it forced me to get very, very good at things that I, I've normally been very, very bad at. And so like my capacity to remember small details is really like really good like you've you've been with me you know in bed spoilers they're gonna know at you know like one o'clock in the morning when i'm going okay i need to do this thing tomorrow and i need to do this thing and i know it's super annoying but like that's how my brain functions is like i'm really good at remembering the small tasks but the problem is is when the small tasks don't sort of like fit into the daily rotation like that's when stuff can get missed or dropped Mm. or whatever and so then what winds up happening is it sort of like a like a funnel system almost where like, you know, I'm able to sort of like catch the tasks as they're coming out of the funnel until there's like a big backlog. And then that's when I get overwhelmed and mm. I go, OK, like, you know, everything was really great until I got hung up on this one thing, which hung up this thing and hung up this thing and hung up this thing. And so now like my, you know, my evening or whatever is just fucked because I have mm. like a hundred extra things to do and I need to do them today. Otherwise they're going to be left over tomorrow. And then that's when I get into like mm. overwhelm and task paralysis and that kind of thing. Mm. But the thing is, Eric, is that task paralysis is not an option when you are a stage manager. Right. There is no option for that. Like you, you can't, you can't. And so, like, I think a lot of my productivity and a lot of my ability to sort of, like, function is based on the idea that, like, for me, task paralysis shows up in, like, around the house stuff. It shows up in, like, like my craft room. Like, every time I walk into that room, I am instantly overwhelmed. And I'm like, not today. And I just leave, you know? And I've been doing that for almost, what, like, a year and a half now. But with work stuff it's work it's it's work like there are repercussions like nobody on tiktok cares if i clean my my craft room or not is it slowly ruining my marriage also yes but like for me i'm like one is work and one is superfluous to getting my work done and so i worry about the work stuff and a lot of times like my uh like the the rest of it suffers and that's been a trend for a really long time i'm great at work i'm very bad at everything else well i think you and i what the fuck am i talking about well you know <laughs> so <what>? bad <laughs> no i was just thinking is it the topics for for our episodes I, f- I realized let's start framing those as jumping off points today's jumping off point is working from home who knows where we go from there? But that's the jumping off. Point. I just, I don't, I still feel like I don't have anything useful to say about working from home because my advice is like, hey, kids, burn yourselves out and make yourself miserable all the time. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's true. I mean, for one, <laughs> I am a cautionary tale. Well, that's, well, I mean, one, everybody's a cautionary tale because nobody's perfect. That's the thing. And two, I don't think, I'm certain, I don't want to say all people, but I'm certainly not interested in learning from anybody who's perfect. Right. But Eric, if I tried just a little bit harder, I probably could be. Well, that's a problem. Hey, Katie. No, you won't. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. But that's what my shitbag no, brain says. If well, I just tried a little bit harder, I could be perfect. I know I could, Eric. I know I could. <laughs> well, if I could be a little bit harsh to both of us, more harsh to me than you, but still it's both okay. of us. You can be. Um, I think you and I both avoid the problem of work-life balance in very 
uh, similar but opposite ways. What do you mean? Well, I Are think... Are you about to roast me? I feel like no, I'm about no, to no, get no, roasted. No, 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 no. I'm about to be me? very honest about a problem <laughs> that both of, I, uh, of us have. Okay. But I think... The problem is more problematic with me than it is with you. But Okay. Also, I want you to know that if I start crying right now, it's not because you roasted me. It's because I have really bad cramps. Oh, Bubs, I'm sorry. It's okay. Do you want, well, never mind. I'm not going <laughs> to... I was like, let's do uh, the thing that we do. And it, never mind. I'm going to stop talking about that now. Anyways. Oh, wow, Eric. I'm going to... Fuck Jesus <laughs> what? Christ. I don't know. I just sputtered. I'm leaving it in. That's what an ADHD sputter looks like. What are you like. talking about? Um, I can go find a heating pad. <laughs> <laughs> when somebody ADHD sputters out like that, I always laugh at them. That makes them feel much better. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just want to know what you're talking about. No, I know, I know. I know. Um, but I think you and I both approach or avoid the problem of work-life balance in very similar but opposite ways. Okay. Whereas with you, well, for, well so for, with, for, with, for me, um, the leisure, the fuck everything, I'm just going to be as comfortable as possible because ultimately I think that's what a major problem for me is, is that I seek comfort a lot of the time. It's, yeah. it's a depression thing. It's a, it's a bunch of stuff, but I seek comfort, not necessarily pleasure. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that leisure never leaves me as I'm working. It's always there that like, you could just totally just stop doing all of this right now. Like, and I play the tape out. Like what happens if I never worked another day in my life? Well, I would eventually <laughs> lose my house. I would lose every one of my friends and I live on the street, but I could do that. You know, like I play it out. Anyways, the word, the leisure never leaves me even when I'm working. Um, and that often causes me to work far less than I think I should be. Whereas for you, the work never leaves you. When you're doing leisure things, when you're we're watching Lego Masters and stuff. I'm so uncomfortable. The work never leaves you. It's always with you. And I think that's, I don't want to say, I, I, I framed it before I, as, as that's how we avoid the workload. But I think you and I both have problems with work and play. In our, in our balancing of them, yeah. but in exact opposite ways, where I have a really hard time shutting out the the constant awareness that I could just say, fuck all of this and go lie in bed for the next 10 years or whatever. Whereas you are always like, if I just worked harder, I could be doing more, I could be getting more done. And that's a voice that you can't shut up in the same way that my leisure thing is a voice that I can't shut up. Oh my God, and it... together, we make one functioning company. <laughs> I was going to say, it was like, <laughs> and together, we're almost a whole person. <laughs> well, for me, my, my saving grace with all that has always been hyper-focused. That's the only time that the leisure um, goes away. Is It's when I'm getting enough dopamine from the, the, the project that I'm working on that I now seek the the pleasure of working on this project and seeing it come out better and better and seeing the finished project sort of emerge from the marble or whatever. That's more pleasant to me than the comfort that I could be seeking is. And I think, so for example, you know, if I have to edit a podcast, like I have in my head, I have what I want the podcast to be before, yeah. as like right now as we're talking. Like I know how I want it to sound. I know where I'm going to put the interstitials. I'm going to like all that stuff. And so once I'm editing, I'm just in flow state. Like yeah. I just, I'm getting closer and closer to that finished product. And then the leisure leaves me. But it's the stuff that's not exciting that's that's really difficult. And that's, again, like I think one of the most important things to understand about ADHD that like if I could snap my fingers and have everybody understand this, it's that the executive dysfunction that comes with ADHD is not a choice or a result of laziness. Yes. It's just not. It's 
you know, there are plenty of times when it's like, I'm, I'm willing to work. I'm willing to white knuckle. I'm willing to be uncomfortable, but I just don't know what it is. Or if I do know what it is, it only lasts for about five seconds before I decide it's actually something else. And there's no amount of white knuckling that can get around that. Those are, that's when systems come to play. And I think that's what this, well, the, you know, the function of your I schedule mean, is and prep lists and kitchens. Like, you I know. think, I think that's why I feel so guilty, like about this episode is because like, I don't ever want anybody to feel like they're they're being you know lazy like when they're paralyzed by indecision or they're just like overwhelmed by a task or like that kind of thing because like i can't even begin to count the number of times that i've put off something that i could have done 30 seconds because it was just like too big you know but then it's like okay well i haven't sent the email in two weeks and now it would be awkward so i'm gonna put it off for another week and then at some point i'm gonna like you know what i mean and it just like and and it becomes that like impossible task And so that's like, that's like the real struggle that I have, like genuinely is because my relationship with motivation is, is, I mean, dysfunctionally functional, I think like up to a point, but then at a certain point, like I realized like, I just like exactly what you said, I don't have the same compassion for myself that I have for other people, you know, because it's like, you know, if you are having a bad day and you can't do your dishes or whatever, like I will help you. I will support you. I will find a solution. Like, of course. And like, you're not a bad person and you're not lazy. And I don't I'd like motive. Like, well, why weren't you motivated enough to do your dishes? Like that, that thought never occurs to me to have. But the minute, like I walk out of the office and I see the pile of boxes that have been sitting in my hallway for a year because I've been so wrapped up in my work. That's when I feel like a piece of shit. And I'm like, like, well, it's so easy for me to just like go into my office and, you know, submit to a hundred conventions or whatever the fuck that I'm doing that day. But like, why can't I just walk this box into my craft room? Hmm. Well, because the answer is the minute that I go into the craft room, I freak out because my craft room is so bad that like I like I just go, I, I can't. I'm not. I'm going to just go back to work where it's safe, hmm. you know. And so that's. Sorry, you go ahead. Oh, well, no, I, I, I was just, I think one of the, the secondary benefits of doing a task that's overwhelming um, or feels overwhelming, I think one of the secondary benefits of that is the reassurance that it's actually not that bad. You know, or oftentimes it's actually not that bad. I mean, you you've seen my craft. Well, that's, that's why I amended it to often. <laughs> I was like, no, that that one is a big one. Um, but like, you know, for me, if I have like a couple dishes in my sink, um, I think doing stuff like that it has the immediate benefit of now your you, now your dishes are clean, so that's great. Um, but it has the secondary benefit of being a reminder that like, oh, it really does only take a minute and a half, you know, because when as sort of like you know texting a friend that you haven't texted back or. Well, that's, I'll leave it at one example or else we'll start making a list. Um, the longer we put that stuff off, the more our brain is going to assume that it's just fucking awful because I've been putting it off for so long. It must be terrible. You know, it, 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 the only reason I would put it off for so long is if it is monumentally difficult. Um, and when we do those things, we remind ourselves that oftentimes they are not. Um, and I just think that's, that's important to clarify. So like oftentimes when I do my 
dish, which, you know, I have, I have a really hard time with dishes, Katie. You, you, you just, hi, dear listener. Yesterday, we put all the dirty dishes in my sink into a trash bag and took them outside of Katie's house and sprayed them with a hose before running them twice through her dishwasher. So I'm not great at dishes all the time, mm. <laughs> but I think I know why. And I know when I'm good at dishes, I also think I know why. And do you want to know what, Eric? I still think just as highly of you as I did before we host down your dishes in my backyard. Well, because I love you, and I know that sometimes you struggle to do the dishes. And that doesn't change the way I think about you. Because okay. I'm nicer to other people than I am to myself. Well, thank you, sweetheart. I probably would have broke up with you if it was the other way around, because I wouldn't have been able to look you in the eye. <laughs> so thanks for not breaking please, up with me. Please don't break up with me if I help you with your dishes, please. That would be nice. I will try really hard not to. Thank you. <laughs> or at least we'll talk first. Um, but anyway, so, uh, you know, same to, to, to you. Like, I don't think... I'm I'm not interested in learning from somebody who's perfect, which doesn't really matter because nobody's perfect, so I don't really have to worry about that. But... You know, when, any advice or any time I, I talk about these sorts of things, I am absolutely not coming from a place of like, I am incredible at it. It's that it's my job to just think about it all day <laughs> and try to figure out why I'm bad at the things I'm bad at and why I'm good at the things that I'm good at when I'm good at them. I just had a podcast breakthrough. Oh, shit. Yeah, I could see it on your face. I think. Well. I have feelings, but I think that part of it for me is because I was diagnosed so late that I had to come up with my own systems. Mm. And the guilt that I feel is because for me, I had to like develop systems on my own i had to develop those strategies on my own and i developed them thinking that i was alone and broken and a fuck up etc and on and on and on and on and on and so now for my actual job people come to me and they say well how do i make an efficient system and the answer is i don't know i don't i don't know how to do it because i'm not you and so I feel like every time somebody goes, well, how do I find the motivation to take out the garbage? I go, I don't know, because I'm not you. And I can tell you what I do. It's that I just take out the garbage. But that's not helpful. Because the people who come to us who are looking for answers are looking for an answer. They're not just asking to ask. You know what I mean? And so, like, I feel, I think, this, like, weird sense of, like, guilt and imposter syndrome like at the same time because my answer is I didn't I like I didn't know it was okay to ask people for help and so people come to me asking for help and I go oh I don't that's not a thing that I do so I don't know how to help you and I, I think that's weird hmm. I don't know what the fuck I just said can we just delete this entire episode <laughs> I will if you want consent's important um no I I always say this but you know what I mean? It's yeah. just like it's like the weird feeling of being like, I want to help you, but I have no idea how to help you because the way that I helped myself was just figuring it out on my own. And it's like I don't want to ever look at somebody and go, "Well, figure it out on your own." But that, but a lot of times, like that's what you have to do because a system that works for me may very well not at all work for you. But then it's like, well, is it helpful to just hear you know Kate and Eric talk about? the systems that they do use so you can listen and go oh wow that sounds like a terrible system or oh hey maybe that's a system that i could try i don't know 
Well, I just feel so weird about it. You know, I'm just going to keep saying that while you try and talk. <laughs> no. Well, you know you know the quote, I, I don't know who to attribute it to, but I think it was Edison, but he was a piece of shit anyways. But anyways, <laughs> uh, he said, I didn't fail at making a light bulb. I just figured out 99 ways to not make a light bulb. And I think that's the same thing is every time somebody gives a data point of how they do something, whether that thing would work for you or not, it's another data point where you to go, oh, now I know that that's not going to work for me. So it's all information, you know. And also, secondly, I think <sighs> this is perhaps my brain like craving order because sometimes it's my brain is so chaotic. But I think as you zoom out of a person learning to manage their ADHD, um, which, again, I, I just always want to clarify, that's not a place that you reach. You never just finish that and you get the, the you know, the credits roll at the end of the game. <laughs> that's not how it works. But in everybody's journey of, of, of learning to manage their ADHD and live with their ADHD, I'm convinced that there's something in common with all of them. I don't know what that is. Some people benefit from making rigid schedules. Some people benefit from not at all making rigid schedules. Like my dad, for example, has had a very, on, at least on paper, successful life. I don't want to speak for how fulfilled he feels as a person because that's not up to me. But he's been very successful professionally, at least. And he never had a schedule. He just, his brain worked the way it worked. And when he had to do stuff, he would, sure, he would put it up. But eventually it would be crunch time and he would, but his method worked for him. It would stress my mom the fuck out because it would never work for her, but it worked for him. Um, so anyways, I, I think I'm convinced that all those things have something in common. And for example, an easy one is just the urge to be have a, have a better life, I guess, whatever better means to you. And oh gosh, you're going to hate me when I say this. You're going to hate me. <laughs> you're good eric these microphones i know i know i know okay what is it eric one thing that i suspect i'm not claiming all the way but i suspect that everybody who everybody who has on their journey of trying to manage their own adhd has in common one thing that i suspect it is katie what is hope yeah truly i mean i'm i don't i don't have a problem with that all right. No, you what often you, scoff at me for gonna... saying overly wholesome things, <laughs> dude. I like literally went to the Kennedy Center and read a poem about hope one time. It's true. I'm true. I'm big on hope. And then Gaddafi got killed. Yeah. Yeah. Not unrelated. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I so like I had a very cynical fate. Like I was a very cynical person, and still am in a lot of ways. And I, you know, one of my you know life's journeys is is trying to combat my own cynicism. Um, but I was very cynical about the idea of hope. I fucking hated that word. It was just a thing that was like embroidered on pillows and shit. I hated it. Uh, until somebody said something to me in a way that really clicked with my brain that I think about all the time. He said, hope is just the belief, or excuse me, did he say belief? He said, hope is just the realization that there's a greater than 0% chance that things will get better. If you can acknowledge that there is a non-zero chance that you will learn to manage your ADHD and you will learn to love yourself and you will learn to be better, whatever that means to you, then you by definition have hope. And it is irrational to believe that there is a 0% chance because of course there's not because the universe is infinite. So of course there is a chance that you will get better, that you will be more loving towards yourself. And I think whether we're aware of it or not, if we are on a journey of self-discovery, which if you're listening to this podcast, I suspect you're the kind of person who is, then you have hope. It's not, it's not, it's not up for debate, really. I mean, I believe you, dear listener, would acknowledge that there's a greater than 0% chance that things will get better. 
because that's true and there is. And by that definition, you have hope. And I think that's what, what all people who are managing their own mental illness have in common, whether they call it hope or not. That's really nice. Thanks. End of podcast. That's it. Yeah, that's fine. That's... We're, at, we're, at, we're at 55, so that's fine. If you want to end it on that bitchy speech at this point. Hey, everybody. That's it. That's the end of the episode. Oh, boy. But as is now tradition, we have a few people to thank this week because if you head on over to patreon.com slash infinitequest and you decide that you want to become part of our cool kids Patreon family... You get your name in a song. You do. A song that sounds a lot like this one. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> hey, Becca and John and Chris and Charlie and Shifter. We have a very, very important, message. important message. We don't want you to you. miss a thing. I tried. I thought you. I thought you were gonna. Were we gonna? I thought, I thought I, you were gonna do a harmonica solo. I was trying to. I didn't know. Oh, you well, you'd be playing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's really good, Eric. Thank you for becoming this week's new Patreon sponsor. Shifter and Charlie, and Chris and John and Becca. And back up. Oh, 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 oh. And don't forget about Sarah. Oh, we can't Sarah, forget hop, about hop, Sarah. John and Chris and Charlie and Shifter and all of our Patreon friends. (laughs) Once again, a very well rehearsed Patreon song. But hey, everybody, from all of us here at Infinite Quest, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for supporting us week after week. Thank you for just listening to us and being a part of our Patreon family. We really appreciate it. So, from all of us here at Infinite Quests, remember to drink some water, remember to take your meds, remember to eat a snack, and remember that we love you. <laughs> Thank you for watching the Ken Burns Civil War documentary. <laughs>